You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of On to the Next One, the podcast here on MMAfighting.com, your new cure for the Monday blues. You wake up, you're on your way to work, and boom, we have you covered with the MMA podcast first thing in the morning. That's what we aim to do for the fans of our great sport as we discuss the fallout of UFC on ESPN 15 on Saturday night with some matchmaking. I am Mike Heck, and joining me as always, the Prince of Positivity himself, Following a wild and crazy event in Las Vegas, Mr. Alex Kaylee, how are you, buddy? Are you well rested? We had the UFC and Cam Soda all in one night. How are you feeling? Frankie Edgar is back. Frankie Edgar is back. I cannot wait for Edgar Jan. We talked about this last night. I think we, <laughs> I think you, uh, Casey Lydon, and I all agreed that uh, Edgar Jan, that's the fight to make. So, uh, sorry, spoilers, everyone. You pretty much heard the whole episode of On to the Next One. That's really all we, we are going to be talking about is why Edgar deserves the next uh, title shot at Bantamweight after that uh, lopsided, I think we would have lopsided win over Pedro Munoz. So, uh, I have not had a chance, by the way, you mentioned Cam Soda, to watch Cam Soda yet. Hopefully, there's a way to replay it. I'm actually not sure there will be. So, uh, I'm going to have to find Nefarious uh ways to perhaps uh, uh view some of this footage but i did see a lot of the reactions and a lot of the footage so uh we won't be talking much about that on today's show but uh everyone uh, you know put your put your uh, safe search on and, and look up camp soda fight circus and <laughs> see what see what uh, some of us may have missed on saturday night so uh no of course i'm kidding about the edgar yan thing well we will discuss though uh what our plans for edgar and others today yes uh, so let's just get right into this. Let's talk about the main event from Saturday night in Las Vegas. The aforementioned Frankie Edgar makes a successful Bantamweight debut, defeats Pedro Munoz via split decision, and just an awesome high-level five-rounder. And Frankie, although you kind of kid about the on thing, he's in the hunt. And I'm just going to make this one easy, AK. I mentioned this in the post-fight show Saturday night. There was one fight that I've wanted to see at 135 for a long time. I've wanted to see it for three years now. We still haven't seen it, and it looks like we're still not going to see it anytime soon. I want to see Marlon Moraes versus Dominic Cruz. That is like my spirit animal fight. But even though the stars align for this fight to be made so many times, it's just not happening. Moraes is expected to fight Corey Sanhagen in October, I believe. So now, this is a no-brainer. This, it's Dominic Cruz versus Frankie Edgar. To me, ranking schmankings... This is the only fight to make. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with the uh, the very technical term you use there, ranking schmankings, um, because <laughs> these guys are at the stage of their career where again we're we're talking about prize fighting here, and and these guys are fighting for the most money they can get, the most uh, publicity they can get, adding to their legacy. Of course, it's a popular thing we hear all the time. And and again, yeah, who cares? Two fight win streak, two fight losing streak, three fight losing streak, whatever, whatever streak they're on. These guys are big names. 
there's never a bad time to make a fight between them. It makes sense for them uh, right now, and especially if you look at the bantamweight rankings, um, sort of how they need to be sorted out, where guys are potentially going to be. Uh, we know that Cody Garbrandt's out of the way. He is he'll, he'll at least for at least one fight. He'll be competing for the flyweight title. Uh, we are fairly confident that uh, the, the the company will do the right thing. <clears throat> Excuse me, and give Aljamain Sterling the Piotr Jan title fight. So there you go. There's a few big names already out of the way. And then there's other names that need to be sorted out or just don't make sense for Edgar at this point for, for him or for uh, these potential names. So Dominic Cruz, absolutely the perfect opponent. You will have no disagreement from me. Uh, it's a fight we need to see happen. Now, however, the one other option I'll throw out there is if Corey Sandhagen beats uh, Marlon Marais on October 10th. Uh, not the other way around. Marais and uh, Edgar are pretty close friends. Uh, I believe they train together. So same same representation. Very unlikely that they would fight for anything less than a title. So that fight isn't happening. But if Sandhagen beats Marais, then you got a little bit of a revenge story there. Obviously, it's a fight that Sandhagen would want to take, get a big name on there, and uh, and Edgar would get a chance to knock off another uh, a top 10 ranked guy. And if he has wins over Munoz and Sandhagen, I don't think there'd be a lot of complaints if he got a title shot. Yeah. And as far as Pedro Munoz goes, a lot of people thought he won that fight. Mm -hmm. We talked about it on the post-fight show Saturday night. I think 16 or 17 out of 20 yeah. media members on MMA decisions scored it for Pedro Munoz. I yep. scored it for Frankie, but I'm certainly not going to chastise you if you scored it for Munoz. It was a fantastic fight. However, in the books, on the dirt sheets, so to speak, he's lost two straight. He'll drop down a spot or two more than likely on Tuesday. What do you do with the young Punisher after that incredible fight? Well, I literally only dropped him one spot, and that's just to take Frankie from the featherweight rankings and put him at bantamweight. So uh, he technically almost didn't drop anything in, in my rankings. Again, his performance was so, so strong. That's that's about as strong as you can look in defeat. Like I said, very close split decision. One of the judges had it 49-46 for uh, Munoz. So, uh, it, I mean, it could really, really could have gone either way. Uh, so for Munoz, I... I had a little bit of trouble with this one because, as we said, there's a lot of sorting out that needs to be done at the top of 135. So it almost seems like you're going to have to match him up with someone, um, of course, someone else coming off a loss as opposed to maybe an up-and-comer. I'm going to go with Rafael Asuncao. Um, they fought before, and uh, this is a, this is just bad luck for for Asuncao. Is one of the only fighters I know who's just constantly uh, giving past con past conquest the opportunity to uh, to avenge their losses because he did it for uh he did it for Mar marlon marais uh he did it for tj dillashaw and both times he did lose the second time so it would suck if he if he has to give munoz that opportunity and then also uh, and then have it happen again but uh, that's just you know that's a credit to us and so i think that he's been around for so long you hang around the top 10 that long you're gonna fight guys in the top 10 more than once so that's kind of the name that popped out i'm not like thrilled with it but it's logical and i could see it being booked yeah i you you could definitely do a Sun Sao. It makes sense. You could put that on any card and people will be excited about it. I would not hate that idea whatsoever. But I feel like despite how Munoz performed on Saturday night, when you lose two straight in a division like this, I think you have to take on kind of an up-and-coming guy right now. I, I think you're kind of in that position where you have to be like, all right, are you can, can we can you get back up there? Let's see. Because these other guys want to get up there too. So there's two options for me. One, you can do the guy coming off a loss against a guy coming off a loss. You could do Pedro Munoz versus Cody Stamen. I don't mind that fight. Stamen, I believe, is ranked number 10 right now in the official UFC rankings. Cody's a tough out at 135. He's a dog. So that'll be interesting. I do like that idea. Or 
I think we talked about this on Saturday as well. You give him the surging Marab to Wallace Willie. I think those are two very fair options if they don't roll with the Sun Sao. But I do agree with you. I think I think Javier Sun Sao is probably the favorite here. What do you think? I I I hate the the Wallace Wheelie matchup for Munoz just gonna because again uh, you know he he has nothing to, to he doesn't have a lot to gain from that I mean it would be a cool moment it would be like a Vera beating O'Malley thing you know uh, Brunson beating Shabazian thing kind of a, a derailing a hype train there's value in that you know there's there's certainly value in that I shouldn't say um, he has nothing to gain but definitely more to lose especially with what we've seen with Wallace Wheelie I mean the guy is just an absolute monster um, but it would be fun to see uh, Munoz shuffle a little more of his ground game we didn't get to see that on uh, on. Saturday, though, of course, he did use his grappling to counter, you know, Frank Edgar's takedown. So obviously his ground game is still on point. You know, it's not like it's not there. But uh, he does love to brawl, you know, for a guy who has such great jujitsu, he loves to brawl. Um, and, and a fight with Dwalash really would just be completely different or or maybe not because Dwalash really also um, and with the Dotson fight kind of want to show off some of his his stand up as well. So I don't know if I love for him. Uh, the other names I kind of threw out there were and this is, again, a guy that we're now we're just throwing out anytime someone at 135 is needs an opponent. Uh, Jose Aldo. Um, but I don't, I don't feel super strongly about it. And kind of playing off what we said with the Edgar um, matchmaking, uh, maybe Marlon Marais, if he loses to San Hagen, uh, could be matched up with Munoz. So sort of a, another chance to beat a, to beat someone a, a Jersey guy, a quote unquote Jersey guy, as it were. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just that Munoz is in a tough spot, and eventually you just have to get to a point where it's like I know you don't want to drop back and fight a guy ranked below you, but we need to like. I love 35. It's so good, and there's so many up-and-coming guys, but I feel like none of them are going to get over the hump. Like, none of them are going to get over the top 10. Unless you're, like, Piotr Jan and, you know, everything just falls into place perfectly. But Marab Dualish really should be fighting a top 10 guy. Mm-hmm. Marlon Vera should be fighting a top 10 guy. Like, these guys should be fighting top 10 fighters, and I feel that none of them are going to get that opportunity anytime <laughs> soon, and it kind of irks me. But I do understand it's, it, you know, it's prize fighting. You want to try to get the biggest fight you can. You want to get to that title, and... But eventually, one of these guys is going to have to fight Marab. Like, it's it's not going to be pleasant when you look at that contract and you see his name on the other side. It's going to be like, oh, God, I don't want to fight this guy. We, we've seen it before with other divisions. I think, like, welterweight a few years ago, uh, where, like, it comes – the talent comes to a boil. You know what I mean? And at yeah. some point, something's got to give. But you're right. There's certain – you can't blame guys for angling a little bit, kind of like, oh, you know, maybe just being a little more picky with their matchups once they reach a certain level. And right now at Bantamweight, you have, like, seven or eight guys who are at this level – uh, where they want to be protective of their spot, but they want to move up, but you can't do it without fighting. So yeah, we are we are, we are a little bit of a stalemate in, in the in the fantastic bantamweight division. Yeah, I mean you could do Jimmy Rivera too. I don't mind. Mm-hmm. That idea, He's in there. But... He's in there. Co-main event, which wasn't supposed to be the co-main <laughs> event. We saw Mike Rodriguez pick up a much-needed win. He looked fantastic. Dominated Marcin Prachnio, put him away in just over two minutes. We all know what happened with OSP. That's why that was no that that got bumped up to the co-main event, but. When you have a guy like Mike Rodriguez, and even Marcin as well, who I don't think Marcin's going to get another fight in the UFC anytime soon, it's just interchangeable. Like, there's so many options for Mike. Like, maybe the winner of Justin Ledette versus Dustin Jacoby in November, but I would assume after a short night like that, Mike would probably want to get back in there sooner rather than later to try to keep this momentum going, so... Let's do Mike Rodriguez versus Alexa Kamer. Alexa defeated a, a fellow Massachusetts native in Fabio Charant on the Contender Series with a highlight real flying knee. I think those guys train together now, Mike and Fabio, so it could be you know a little bit of a revenge fight for Mr. Rodriguez. That works for me. Mike, you know, he's not going to get a top 15 guy or anything really close to that after that win, but you know, give him a little bit of a step up and see if we can get him there. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, that was the best case scenario, I think, for the UFC. I, I, can you imagine if they, we'll talk about this later, can you imagine if they had, like, boosted Agapova, Agap, Agapova to the co-main, like, is it trying to push her, and then after what happened? Yeah. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, that was the best case scenario, because you had a kind of a weird station where, like, Pracnow 0-2 in the UFC, uh, Rodriguez coming off a loss, and again, they weren't supposed to be the co-main, but, hey, anyone who just tuned in and didn't know about the records saw a cool, really good performance by Mike Rodriguez, so... Yeah, like you said, it's it. He wasn't supposed to be in the co-main, and I should warn people right now. Please keep listening, of course. But the name recognition of the, everyone we're about to discuss from now on, it's it's going to drop considerably from Edgar and Munoz. So, uh, Mike Rodriguez, I one name I just kind of threw out there, Jamal Hill. Okay, he's just kind of in the All same right. area, two and zero in the UFC. Uh, and then another another strange one, and this would be a, a few uh, dominoes would have to fall in the right place. Uh, Roman Delitze. So he's supposed to fight John Allen on November 21st, supposedly. But there's a chance that fight doesn't happen because John Allen uh, is supposed to fight Ed Herman in September as well. He's double booked, which I, I don't know how that happens in the UFC. So I could see Rodriguez sliding into that spot if, if good sense prevails and John Allen doesn't fight twice in, again, I don't know, whatever, two months. Like, it doesn't sound that bad, but it's just very strange. Uh, you can't really run back uh, at John Allen and, and Rodriguez. I, I don't think Rodriguez wants anything to do with that. They fought before, and uh, Rodriguez lost. It was overturned when uh, Allen failed a drug test. So uh, I liked, I really liked the Roma Delice matchup. I just think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of things had to fall in the right place. But uh, Jamal Hill, probably, if you just want to throw one together now, and Rodriguez wants to get back in there quickly before the end of the year, that's probably one to make. Yeah, I don't mind that one. Again, interchangeable. You could throw, like, any of those guys from... 25 to 50 at Mike and mm-hmm. all of them make sense. Let's talk about Joe Selecki. Big win for him. Standing rear naked choke in the first round over Austin Hubbard. Now 2-0 and in the UFC. Two very dominant performances after the Contender Series win. What is next in your mind for Mr. Selecki? Now, Mike, you are very familiar with Mr. Selecki. Uh, you're very high on Mr. Selecki as a yes. talent. I-, I am not as familiar with him. So much like uh, with Mike Rodriguez, I'm a little bit all over the place here as far as I'm not sure what should be next. Uh, the one name that jumped out to me, the mo- which would have been my number one choice, except I don't know what the deal is with him. Um, it could just be because of travel issues, of course, COVID-19 stuff, making things difficult. Uh, he hasn't fought since last September. I don't think he's injured, but uh, the magic man, Don Madge, uh, I-, I just want to see him fight again. Very exciting uh, fighter out of South Africa and uh, uh, also also 2-0 in the UFC. So it just lines up if you want to make the numbers convenient. But the other options I had were going in another way. Uh, maybe you give him a veteran on a bit of a slump. Uh, Gabriel Mowgli Benitez would be a, would be a good challenge for him, and uh, not someone too difficult, but a good name, good test series. And then back to the prospect area, uh, Spain's Joel Alvarez, who uh, yeah. looked really impressive against Joe Duffy. But the question is, is that just because Joe Duffy, you know, was on the verge of retirement, or is uh, is Joel Alvarez really one to watch at at a 155? So is he the real deal? I don't know. I think you put him in there with someone like Selecki, you find out. So uh, my number one choice would probably be. Actually, put Bobby Mowgli. I want. To, I think Selecki deserves a veteran. I actually, when I was thinking about this, Alvarez was my first choice. Mm-hmm. I was like, I love that fight. That's that's an interesting matchup. Long, lean striker against a guy yeah. with the grappling prowess of a Joe Selecki. It's tough because Joe's going to be a dad like any day now. Like I think it's the first week of September is his wife's due date, but this could happen at any point. So we may not see him until maybe November. So it would likely have to be somebody that is a stateside or B someone that can travel to Las Vegas during this crazy time, unless he wants to go to Abu Dhabi in October, but he is a big family guy. I I think he, 
he would rather wait until fatherhood is kind of underway before getting into a full-on training camp. Not that he won't be at the gym getting work in. I just think before he gets into a full-on training camp, he probably wants to let the, the dust settle a little bit with that. So after kind of diving a little deeper, there's two options for me. One, the winner of Roosevelt Roberts versus Matt Frivola on September 12th. That seems like a good step up. The other, how about we we match up the last two guys that beat the legend Matt Wyman. We do Joe Selecki versus Violent Bob Ross because Luis Pena has a name. He's coming off a couple of losses, sure, but Pena is going to be kind of in that back-against-the-wall scenario where he doesn't want to drop three straight, so we're going to see probably the best of him. And Selecki would love to have a name like that on his resume. I believe him and I have talked about that matchup before in the past. I like that fight. Why not? What do you think? For some reason, I thought for some reason I thought Luis Pena had been booked. Am I am I wrong? Luis Pena doesn't have a fight coming up. I don't think so. Let me ch- let he me just check. Fuck you might be right. I think I thought uh, he, they were going to throw him in there with uh, <laughs> with uh, Jesse Ronson after that call out. <laughs> um, no, he is not booked. Okay, yeah, no, that's absolutely uh, that's absolutely. But I actually really like the Frivola Roberts uh, suggestion as well. I hadn't thought of that. I'd looked at it for some reason. I hadn't really strongly considered it. But yeah, there's a lot of good options uh, for Selecki coming up. So good for him for uh, for taking taking matters into his own hands. Uh, possibly, you know, putting on a, a performance that maybe should have won a uh, fight night bonus, depending uh, depending <laughs> who you ask. But uh, it looks like you have plenty of opportunities for that in the future. So uh, yeah, a lot of good matchups ahead for him. And a quick correction, I was incorrect inaccurate in stating that Luis Pena has lost his last two fights. That's not true. He's lost two of his last three. He did mm-hmm. beat Steve Garcia sprinkled in between the right. Vola and, and Kamalworthy fights. So so before the standing rear naked choke happens, we had young Shauna Dobson go in there and pull off probably the biggest upset in UFC history based on the odds. I mean, depending on yes. what website you looked at, but she finishes Maria Ag- oh, Agapova. Agapova, see? Mm-hmm. It's tricky. Is that, I'm saying we should just uh, we should, we had this discussion before. We should just anglicize. I'm okay with anglicizing names. I, I know I love uh, properly pronouncing foreign names, but and here's my little here's my little linguistics rant. Uh, but it's like when you're when you're talking in English, it makes sense to anglicize names because it, let's say I'm talking about Song Yadong. That's how you would say it if you were saying it, uh, if you were speaking uh, Cantonese or Mandarin. Sorry, this is embarrassing for me. But if you were speaking Chinese, uh, Song Yadong, that's how you would say it. But that doesn't really flow when you're having an English conversation. So people say Song Yadong. And there's no, it's, it's not 100% accurate, but there's nothing wrong with it because you, you just have to, you have to change your pronunciation, I feel like, depending, of course, what language you're speaking in. So that's just my opinion. Again, Agapava is the correct pronunciation. People want to keep throwing that out there, but I think Agapova is fine as well. Same with uh, uh, Israel Adesanya, Israel Adesanya. Um, I like to use the correct one, but Adesanya is colloquially, I think, in English is correct. So anyway, uh, so that's what I'm saying, Mike. If you want to keep saying Agapova, I think we just let it fly. Yes, Agapova I won't, lost I, <laughs> the second I'm, round. Because so, I'm cultured. Yes. She <laughs> weathers, Sean Dobson, that is, weathers that storm. Yes. I mean, it was like a tornado-hurricane combination. She gets a huge win. She needed it badly because if she had lost, she's probably done. So she's going to be sticking around a little longer, which is good news because Shauna is super tough. She's a very hard worker. I think the move to elevation fight team has been a, a good one for her. Now, I wasn't sure where to go with this, AK. This is one of those tricky ones. My first thought pretty much right off the bat was we do a fight with J.J. Aldridge. I think that okay. that kind of lined up perfectly. That's there. That would work. But I started digging around a little bit this morning. I saw an Instagram post from one Rachel Ostovich. Yes, 
Yes, I know what you're thinking. She does have lots of booty pics, but as a married man, I wasn't there looking for any booty. I was seeing what's going on. Something was interesting in a post from two weeks ago. As people probably listening to this know by now, she was suspended by USADA for a positive drug test for a year. I believe that was retroactive to January 12th. However, she posted two weeks ago that she's going to be cleared to compete next month. Hmm. So maybe she was able to prove the supplement was tainted, perhaps a reduced suspension. Maybe she, she chirped a little bit on somebody else. Who knows? Let's say that is, in fact, the case. These two are supposed to fight in February anyways. Let's just rebook that one. I think that's that's a good fight. It's an important fight for both ladies. Rachel is still a name. She has a following. I think that's the fight to make. If we are to believe what Rachel said on social media is accurate and true, I guess we'll find out in the next couple of weeks anyways. What say you? I'm all for uh, Shauna Dobson you know, taking on the role of spoiler. She certainly wore it well on Saturday. Again, again, against opponent who was so heavily favored. I mean, we talk about how big an underdog uh, Dobson was. I believe the the, the favorite odds for uh, Agapova were minus 1,400, I think, on some books. So massive. I think, one of the, again, one of the biggest, not just in the UFC history, that's one of the biggest M- MMA history, if I'm not mistaken. Probably top, maybe in the top five. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... And I'm just looking at the matchup, like almost everything Dobson does, she's going to be booked as the spoiler. Uh, so I think she has to wait for things to shake out. I feel like we've said this a lot about the flyweight and uh, women's flyweight and strawweight divisions, uh, which I think is a good sign. I guess it means they're keeping the divisions moving. Uh, so a couple options I had were uh, tough housemate uh, Justine Keish. If Keish beats Sabina Mazo, not Mazo because Mazo already beat um, Dobson. That's on September 12th. And then maybe the winner of uh, I know they have they probably want bigger things for her, but maybe the winner of uh, Pollyanna Botelho versus uh, Jillian Robertson. Again, both fighters have been really successful, probably closer to the top 10 than, than fighting uh, Shauna Dobson. But again, spoiler, right? This is why, this is why we say Shauna Dobson could be a spoiler. But uh, someone who's not booked, and I think this would be my top choice, this, is, this, this would take place on Fight Island, the, uh, the Fight Island special, uh, Shauna Dobson and uh, Meatball Molly McCann. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Give Shauna a nice, even, I think, an even bigger, probably a bigger name than the four I just mentioned. Damn, that's a mm, good one. Right? Be good scrap, I think. Yeah, even just stylistically speaking, yeah. And, and I, I assume it would probably have to take place on Fight Island. Wow, I like that one. Mm. You might have you might have swayed me. <laughs> I, that's a really good fight. I think that's perfect, actually. Yeah. As Jed, as the great Jed Mishu would say, those two ways would get in the octagon and start throwing them bolos. Oof. That would be That'd a be fun good. fight. Man, that's good. really good. All right, I like that one. Let's move on to the, I believe... The second fighter to go 3-0 and this year in the UFC, I don't think anybody else has done it besides him and Yusuf Salal, is Daniel Rodriguez. Finishes Dwight Grant in a wild first round. Sure, some refing controversy, perhaps, but still goes in the books as a win for D-Rod. Lots of options at 170 for an exciting guy like him. What would you like to see for Daniel Rodriguez coming off that victory on Saturday night? Uh, much like Shauna Dobson, he might have to wait. Uh, I like him... I, I was looking at these names. A lot of names that jumped immediately to mind, so I had to remind myself that some of them are booked. Uh, like I thought, I think Brian Barberina would be a great step up. Brian Barberina is fighting Anthony Ivey on September 12th, so I think the winner of that fight, either way, because I, I think Anthony Ivey, if he beats Barberina, is also uh, worthy of, of, of getting a, a big fight. And again, Rodriguez, 
three and zero in the UFC this year uh, since making his debut earlier this year. So that's big. He is an undefeated UFC fighter. Again, there's been like zero publicity around him, but he's made the most of every opportunity, and and you can't argue with the with the results. So hopefully the UFC gets push, starts to push him a little bit um, ahead of his next fight, and then <laughs> I I shouldn't do this, but maybe the Diego Sanchez Jake Matthews winner. Um, I don't know. I mean, it would be a big gap in experience for sure. Of course, Diego, one of the most active UFC fighters ever. Jake Matthews, very, very experienced in the UFC for a guy his age. Um, he already has double-digit UFC appearances. So uh, that might be a little bit more than Rodriguez is ready for on paper. But Rodriguez is a pretty polished guy. I actually, I actually think he'd fare really well against either guy and have a chance to beat them. So that's September 26th. But uh, if we're, again, we're going for someone not booked, I, I, I thought about Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Um, Again, another experienced guy. Uh, D-Rod is a associate of Donald Cowboy Cerrone. So this would be almost like a, uh, again, I know Cerrone and Oliveira have already fought, but this would only be like, you know, one one for Cowboy. One Cowboy disciple facing uh, another Cowboy. This is kind of a tough one for me because the easiest answer is to rebook the, the Sato fight. Yes. It just seems like the easiest answer here. But I think after... Getting that win on Saturday, I think he has surpassed that booking and is on Ooh. to bigger things. No disrespect to Sato, just mm-hmm. he was there, he won, he got a finish, and one of the craziest fights of the year. My first thought was Bilal Muhammad. I don't know why that popped into my head, but I actually believe that Bilal deserves a much bigger fight with someone like just outside the top 15. Like Bilal should be flirting with the top 15 right now, so I scratched that right away. I do want to see Rodriguez get a step up against a veteran, though. So I'm going with it. How about D-Rod versus the James Krause in Las Vegas, Nevada? There it is. Let's see what he's got. Because Dana White had some high praise for him on Saturday night after the card. If D-Rod could beat James Krause, he's sniffing top 15. Then he could get a fight with, like, a Bilal Muhammad. Let's reward the man for taking a fight on a day's notice with a different opponent and finishing. I like that. I think that's the fight. I felt a chill. I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that. I have them very close to my rankings. I have Rodriguez just out. I, I love providing these rankings with zero context for like who else is right. <laughs> I have Rodriguez just outside the top 40 and uh, James Krause right in the top 35. So they're, they're, they're right next to each other. Uh, Style-wise, would be great. And like we said, if we're talking about a guy who's experienced, Kraus is one of the most experienced guys in the game. And also very much a guy who I feel like takes – I think well, I think we saw when he took the Trevin Giles fight on just like, oh, whatever, 185, sure. Like one day's notice, sure, I'm just going to do it. He'll, he really will fight anyone because um, I, I think he's a guy he's not afraid – one, he's obviously confident that he can beat anyone. And two, I don't think he's worried about uh, one or two losses setting him back. He's a veteran. He's seen it all. Um I would love to see that, and I think he'd be very willing to give uh, Dale Rodriguez the chance to, uh, to you know, have a good have a good fight with him. So, yeah, I like it. I hadn't even thought about that. That's there we a good. Go. One. Look at us just swaying each other back to back picks. As we move ahead to everyone's favorite part of the show, the soon to be award winning wild card round, on on to the next one where we select a fighter that we haven't match made for yet and do it now. Last week, AK and I we had the same exact pick. Not sure if that happens again, although this card was pretty light in terms of number of fights, number of winners and losers, etc. I don't think it's going to happen this time, if I had to guess. But what do you have this week, AK? Who is your wild card selection? If people could see the look on your face, it would be unbelievable. 
I, I made a, yeah, this is I'm glad this is only audio. I made a lot of faces. I didn't love a lot of the wild card options this week if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest. I thought about Jordan Wright because I thought the kids intriguing. Jordan Wright or as I call him Sage Northcutt Light. Um uh and then uh, Agapova was certainly someone worth discussing if only because you know she was so highly touted going into this and and I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, well wait, what do you do now uh, after she suffered a setback like that. But no, I'm going to go with Maybe the most boring option possible, but only because I, I feel like she, even though it wasn't the most exciting performance, I felt like she it was a nice convincing win for her. I think Amanda Lemos, um, this was her second fight at strawweight uh, after, uh, you know, she was fighting at bantamweight for whatever reason. Um, she lost to Leslie Smith. So she's 2-0 at strawweight now. Um, she put on, I think, a good performance against Mizuki Inui. And, um, and I'm also doing this because I did not match make for another straw weight uh, up and coming, uh, up and coming, but another contending, potentially contending straw weight uh, that fought last week that I thought we could have match made for, but I didn't think of anything obvious. But why not Amanda Lemos and uh, Lavinia Souza, uh, Battle of Brazilians again? This may be another Fight Island option, and uh, I, I need to see more from both fighters. I, I feel like on paper. Maybe my view of them is is bigger than it should be. So I do want it because they they won their fights convincingly, but not in a super exciting way. So I I want to see more from both women. Throw them in there and let's see if either of them really is a top fifteen contender or if they're just kind of uh, you know d- doomed to to hover around sort of the middle of the the strawweight rankings. I'm gonna go to the first fight of the night for my okay. wild card pick because I I don't think I stand alone <laughs> in this sentiment. I want to see more of Timor Valia, even yes. though he lost. Like, that's who I want to see maybe more than anybody else we haven't discussed outside of the main event. Like, maybe more than anybody else in the card, I want to see more of him because he's just super legit. Like, I've been waiting for, for that UFC debut for so long, and he looked awesome until the fight was ended. And the f- way that fight played out sucked. Like, it really sucked. <laughs> I watched it again this morning, and I was just like, man. What a bad stoppage. However, it made for a tremendous story, and it set the table just beautifully for what we were going to see the rest of the night. So I will take the good with the bad. That's just the positive mindset that I have. But I don't think Timor should be penalized too badly here despite the loss because we're in a loaded division, and we're kind of in an interchangeable place here. So my pick, just because I'm selfish and I want to see how it would play out, I want to see Timor Valiev against... Another guy who can strike, another guy who has brutal and ferocious kicks of his own. Let's do Timor Valiev versus Chris El Guapo Gutierrez. Give it to me. Give it to me. I have I, I have to throw a little water on this one because I think it's a cool matchup. I think they fought before. What? When? I I I, I believe, they may have fought twice, Michael. Oh Jesus Christmas. <laughs> I was so excited about that pick. Well, I mean, it was a long time. I'll put it this way: it's a long time ago. They're probably very different fighters than they were. But they, yes, they actually have. They did fought fight twice in twice 2016 in the World Series. But they're one and one. Yes, they're one and one. Yeah. So, so what you meant to say was, I really want to see the fight because the trilogy needs That's to right. be resolved. Okay, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I should have let you finish. Forgot about that. I should have let you finish. I apologize. Touche. But yes, that makes it even better. That's a life. Four years ago is like. 20 years in MMA years like I don't think they're any anything near you know I don't think Chris Gutierrez probably was as good as he is now um Valiev again again probably not as good as he was now maybe a little bit closer but a great fighter yeah I, I think there'd be no reason not to do that fight and I would just love to hear the words uh world series of fighting uttered on a, on a UFC broadcast <laughs> so yeah that's the fight is so much I mean this is the story of all stories trilogy fight 
two guys, you know, looking to get back in the win column because Gutierrez got a draw, although I kind of scored it for him. I thought he got hosed. I kind of thought Valiev got hosed too. There's just, I mean, the storylines are endless. They're just, I, the more I talk, the more they keep coming to me, AK, but. Gutierrez, Valiev, three. <laughs> Explosion noise. <laughs> uh, that's a, that was a that was a note for post. By the way, we'll add an explosion noise. <sighs> in. There it is. Well, I think we can do better than that. Yes, but that <laughs> uh, that wraps up another edition of On to the Next One, the podcast. Thank you all for listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe. Give a nice review. We got honestly. I looked at the reviews last night for the first time since I joined MMA Fighting. A lot of love for AK for his On to the Next One. I don't believe the most that. recent review was On to the Next One is great. Alex K. Lee or AK is is, oh. is fantastic. So there you go. Oh yeah, I wrote I wrote that. Yeah, you wrote, wrote that, that yourself. Yeah, I did. Do you? What was your uh, moniker? Do you remember? Are you testing me? Yes. Uh, it's uh, K is for quality. Oh okay. All right. So that, so you, you didn't write it yourself. <laughs> I believe Sorry. the guy. I believe the name was Slim Slimmington. If we're being oh, I can that's that that's off the top of my head. But give a kind review. Say some kind words. Say nice things about AK. That's much appreciated. Maybe we'll shut you out on the program for your kind words, just like we did for Slim Slimmington. Incentive, but we like that kind of thing. Positivity. Next week, the fallout from UFC Vegas 8. I'm going with that until I hear otherwise. Anthony Smith versus Alexander Rakic will be your three-round main event, plus the return of ruthless Robbie Lawler. Take it on Neil Magny. Should be a fun one. Should be a fun one. But for Alex Kaylee, I am Mike Heck. Don't take this too seriously, everybody. We're just a reminder. We're just a couple of fantasy matchmakers, just like you, trying to make the best fights possible for fight fans around the globe and for ourselves. Let's be honest. I still, still, to this point, have we had anything booked since we started the podcast that we predicted? Yeah, yeah, Lewis Olenek. Yeah, definitely one of us said a Lewis, Lewis yeah. Olenek, and that happened, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that was a podcast pick, though. I think that was a... Oh, since we did the podcast? Yeah. Zero percent. Zero percent. Okay. We'll get there. We're get there. We're gonna start. Well, we rolling. only started a few weeks. We've only begun the next cycle of matchmaking. Wait till we wait the next three months. Like by the end of the year, we're gonna we're gonna nail some of these. Yeah, we're only six episodes in here, but we will see you next week right here on on to the next one, the podcast. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. <laughs>